Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity and to gather now and, and to open the truth of your word. Lord, just uh, remind us and encourage us um, of the importance of what we do when we seek your truth, Father. We try to understand how to apply it to our lives, how to live by it. It's more than just an ancient text. It's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts sometimes, Father. But allow that to mold us and to shape us, Father. Remove the things within our hearts and our lives that need to be removed. Strengthen the things, Father, that need to be strengthened. Let us just hear from you and trust you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit working as we pray every Sunday morning, may we be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, open up to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, as you're finding Acts 16, just a a couple of reminders. I've been talking about this for a few weeks and we'll continue to talk about it with our building uh, program and everything going on, the Legacy Project. You're still encouraged to to be part of that. If you've not signed up and want to contribute to that, we'd love for you to do that. There are envelopes and brochures all around the church. If you've signed up to give, please continue to do so faithfully. Uh, We're going to break ground June the 3rd. That's our official uh, VBS starts Sunday. We'll, we'll assemble out kind of in this big area where the children's building is going to be. We'll talk more about that as we get closer. June 10th, final day in the worship center. June 17th, we'll begin all of our worship services in the fellowship hall. All three services in the fellowship hall. So God's doing good things. We've got, we're making good progress. Everything's clicking like it should, heading in that direction. But you keep praying that God would work and, and make straight the path. And this would be just a smooth transition. Very exciting time for our church. As we look back on the last 50 years and look ahead with excitement to the next many decades of God's faithfulness at Rosemont. This morning we are continuing our sermon series through the book of Acts. From ordinary to extraordinary, it's a study of the New Testament church. Really delving into kind of the heartbeat of who these people were, of what they accomplished, of of what they did, of of all that they gave, of all that they sacrificed. We looked at the apostles, we've looked at Paul, we've looked at Peter, we've talked about Paul's first missionary journey. And, And last week we kind of started thinking about this idea of culture and how culture affects sometimes our view of Christianity. And you may remember me kind of showing you last week from the text how these people kind of debated about what salvation was and, and how to get salvation. And we, we made this point, and this is important to remember, that the culture should never dictate how we interpret and understand God's Word. Because culture is always going to change. Culture is always going to be different. I'll, I'll give you an illustration of how culture uh, still kind of affects and, and, and I believe oftentimes attacks Christianity. Uh, something uh, happened several weeks ago, and I really don't want to go into details just for, um, I guess, respect to the family. But one of the kind of key leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention made some mistakes and had to resign. Um, and I don't want to say any more about it than that. You can go look in details if you want to. But this is a pretty important figure in Southern Baptist Convention life. And I'm curious. This is just kind of a little poll here. I'm curious. How many people here heard about that? Raise your hand if you heard about it. Not even 10%, a very small number. So on, on one hand, it's good that not a lot of people heard about it. Because sometimes we don't just need to hear bad things. I, I'm, I'm kind of thankful that a lot more people didn't hear about it. But here's what struck me about this whole situation. 
the kind of the national media, uh, you know, you kind of fill in the blank what that means, by and large ignored it. I, I researched it, it popped up on a couple of websites and this one small little article. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy about that in one sense. But here's what that really means to me. Here's kind of what I'm, I'm kind of delving into this a little bit. What this means to me is kind of the world at large has kind of disregarded us. Because when, when the leader of... There's 16 million of us in America, by the way. Evangelical Southern Baptists. 16 million. And for, for the, the kind of the mainstream media to kind of realize that the, one of the main guys had a failure and really didn't say anything about it says to me, they don't really care anymore. We're, we're just kind of marginalized and we don't mean anything anyway. So if one of the main guys uh, had this moral failure, who really cares? Nobody's paying attention anyway. Let's talk about something important. 30 years ago, that would have been front page of the New York Times. It would have been a big deal. And again, I'm, I'm sorry it happened. It's sad. I've prayed for him and his family. I hate that that happened. But we've been marginalized, folks. I mean, if you think Christianity is like important to anybody outside of the church in today's world, you are sadly mistaken. And so we, we live in a culture now that attacks us and tries to defeat us. And that, that was last week, but it, it spills over a little bit into this week because when we live in a culture that doesn't care about us, that has marginalized us, it becomes difficult for us sometimes, doesn't it? And we find ourselves, and we're going to find ourselves, I believe, as the years progress, in more and more challenging, more and more difficult kind of situations because I feel like in my lifetime at some point, we're probably going to have to stand up on some level and choose. Like right now, we can kind of skirt the line between being a believer and still being okay with the world, but I just... I just wonder in the coming decades if we're not going to have to stand up and say, no, I really am a believer and I recognize it's going to cost me something out in the world. I just wonder kind of where we're going. And so as we, we move through that, that idea in chapter 15 and on into verse 16, we kind of find ourselves looking at Paul again. Paul has completed one missionary journey. He's, he's had all, all sorts of struggles and difficult situations. He's now going to begin at the end of Acts 15, his second missionary journey. And then at, begin, at the beginning of Acts 16, I'm not going to go into great detail about the beginning of Acts 16, but he's following the Lord, kind of the Macedonian call. The Spirit says, Paul, don't go here. Instead, go here. And what's going to happen, and this is interesting to me, the, the Lord is going to put Paul, uh, who's doing great things for the kingdom, in a very difficult place. And so we're going to kind of understand this morning what, what the Lord's doing, where the Lord put Paul, and then how we apply kind of what Paul did and how Paul lived in his life, how we apply that to our lives. So Acts chapter 16, let's jump in kind of midway through in verse 16. This is Paul speaking. Luke now is writing in first person, so he's going to use we Acts 16, 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Let me just rephrase that. She was possessed by a demon. Her owners were making a lot of money off of her. Hey, everybody, come and see this girl. She can do these things. Look at what's going on. They're making a lot of money off of her. Verse 17, she followed Paul... And us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Interesting, even a demon-possessed girl recognizes Christ in the spirit that works within Paul. Verse 18, and she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, right, she's continuing following them, bothering them. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it came out that very hour. Now, look, pause for one second. This is a good thing that just happened. Right? A demon-possessed girl has been freed of this demonic possession. That's a very good thing. We would celebrate that. We would praise the Lord for that. Verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, right? The money-making scheme is done now because the demon has been exercised. They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Verse 20. When they brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews. They are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them, gave them orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows, now not just a couple, many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. So let's stop there for a few minutes. Let's just kind of review and understand what's going on. Paul is doing great things for the kingdom. He's preaching the truth of the gospel. People are listening to him. People are getting saved. Lives are being changed. He sees this young girl who's possessed by a demon. He casts the demon out of her. All good things. All positive things for the kingdom of the Lord. But in the midst of this good thing happening, the owners of this little girl recognize that their money-making proposition is now done because she doesn't have the same ability. That demon within her is gone. They can't make money anymore. So they get very upset at Paul and they drag him up to the magistrate. They lie about him. They eventually beat him. They put him in prison. And that leads us to kind of the first truth. Here's what I want you to see, number one. We have it on the screen. Following God's will can sometimes be difficult. Now, I fear sometimes that we live in this world of thinking that if we're a believer, everything is fine. But if we're a believer, it's all going to turn out good. God's going to fix all the problems. He's going to smooth everything over. No problems if we're a believer. The problem with that mindset is it's not biblical. Like we, we find some people kind of in our world, and when we deal with this overseas especially, like you go into uh, parts of Africa and, and, and into Asia especially, you have kind of what's known as the prosperity gospel. You've probably heard of that. It's the idea, listen, if you'll just accept the Lord, you'll be rich and wealthy and blessed and everything will be great for you. And that sounds good. And you can imagine people that struggle in poverty, especially that resonates with them and they understand that and they believe that and they want that to be part of who they are. So they accept Christ, believing that everything's going to be good and easy and they're never going to have any problems. The problem with that is we don't see it like that in Scripture. God is good and he does bring joy and hope but it doesn't mean all our circumstances are going to be easy because we see in this particular context Paul trusting the Lord following the commandments of the Lord giving his life literally for the sake of the gospel preaching people are being saved and in that moment bad things happen to him. So I want you to notice I want to walk back through this just for a minute to understand what's going on. Look at verses 20 and 21. Paul is dragged in front of these magistrates and these men really lie about what's going on, right? Look at verse, nine, look at verse 20. When they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, they are disturbing our city. They, verse 21, they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. That's a lie. They just made that up. 
Or what Paul did instead was he exercised this demon from this girl. Well, notice what happens. When, when these guys kind of make up these charges and lie about Paul and Silas, look what happens in verse 22. And the crowd joined in and attacked them. Right, so now you've got this, these, these couple of guys lying about Paul. The crowd now is going to join in. So Paul now has been lied about. His character has been challenged. He's been attacked now by the crowd. And now look what's going to happen at the end of verse 22. So the crowd joins in and attacking. The magistrates tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods. Now remember, we're not too far removed from Paul being stoned. Remember that? Paul was stoned. They drug him out of the city for dead. The Lord miraculously healed him. He's kind of probably just recovering from this. Now he's going to be beaten by rods, verse 23, when they inflicted many blows upon him. They threw him into prison, ordered the jailer to keep them safely. All for doing good. All for telling the truth. All for trusting and following Christ. Bring that first point back up. Just because we're doing the will of God doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Now, now, here's the application for us. Anybody, don't raise your hand, but anybody here ever been, ever been lied about? Somebody thinking, yeah, yesterday. Falsely accused. Right? Yeah. Somebody made something up about you. Anybody ever attacked you? Maybe not physically, I hope, but been emotionally, verbally, ever been attacked verbally? Right? Paul's freedom was stolen from him. Anybody ever had something stolen from them, taken from them? We, we understand this, right? We, we get this. Here's the problem for us. When this happens, the question isn't really, you know, is it going to be bad? Is it going to be difficult? The question isn't if it's going to happen. The question always is how do we respond in Christ when it does? Because we've all been there. I read a book years ago and I've talked about it before. Some of you guys may have remembered me saying this, but it was about the way that we react. And the premise of the book was people will judge you by your reactions, not your actions. Because I can kind of fake my actions. I can put on a show, I can pretend, but when something bad happens and I react, then you're going to see the true me. And when we see Paul and his followers here and the people he's walking with, we see they're doing the, the right thing, trusting the Lord. They're doing everything they can for the sake of the kingdom. People are lying about them, attacking them, beating them, falsely imprisoning them. How are they going to respond? That's the question. Because here's what we begin to do. Here, here's how our mind works sometimes when we go through struggles. It, it's, it's not uncommon for us to go through difficulties and go through struggles. And as we're going through them, we kind of start asking ourselves the question, is God ignoring me in this? Like, has God forgotten about me? Like, I've been faithful, you might think, to the Lord. I, I, I try to study the Word. I try to do what the Lord calls me to do. I, I try to be faithful to, 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 to share and, and to, to witness and to love the Lord. I'm trying to do everything I can for Christ. And yet, in the middle of all this, this junk is happening. And sometimes it's easy for us to think, where are you in this, Lord? <laughs> like, did you, did you forget about me down here? Like, I'm walking through all this. Where are you, right? And if we're not careful, we kind of find ourselves thinking, maybe the Lord kind of just left me for a little while. Maybe he was with me and, and everything was good. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, he said, Adam, listen, uh, I, I'll catch you in a, in a few months. I've got to go do something else. Good luck, right? And he just leaves us. We may, and this is important for us in these kind of moments, we may feel that in our heart, but we have to think biblically. There's a difference. We don't allow our emotions to take us to places that are unbiblical. Instead, we say, you know what, I feel one way, but here's what Scripture actually teaches. This is truth. The Bible teaches us that the Lord is always with us as believers. 
Matthew 28, 19 and 20, you'll be familiar with the Great Commission. Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here it is, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's this biblical truth that we find time and time again that as believers, the Lord is with us. The Lord is walking with us. Right now, just because he's walking with us, and this is what we see here with Paul, and this is what we see in our lives oftentimes, just because the Lord is walking with us doesn't mean we're going to not go through difficulties. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Think about Job. The Bible says Job was a righteous man and he lost everything. Think about Joseph of the Old Testament, Genesis 37 and following. One of the things I love about the story of Joseph is it says over and over again that the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph was falsely accused, lied about, similar to this, thrown in prison. For doing the will of the Lord. Think about Christ. Christ lived a sinless life, was lied about, mocked, falsely beaten, eventually crucified. And so, so here's what we do. This is, this is kind of the next step for us. We have to be careful because we start thinking in our minds. Okay, if, if, if God is with me, which He is, if He's walking through me with difficult circumstances, that, that means that He's aware of what's going on in my life. Not only is He aware of it, but watch, He approves of it. Because we walk through difficult situations as we follow God's will and it's difficult. God approves of that because we can't say biblically that he disapproves or he's unaware because that's not what scripture teaches. He's in complete control. He knows exactly what's going on. So, so what's going on here then? Right, I'm trusting the Lord as Paul was. I'm, some of y'all thinking I'm following the Lord. I'm seeking him. Difficult things are still going on. What's happening to make this Take place. Look at verse 25. Let's continue. Right? Let's, let's, let's think through this a little bit more. Try to understand what's happening here in Paul's life. So about midnight, this is Acts 16, 25. Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened, everyone's bonds were unfastened, the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all still here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's truth number two. God uses difficult situations in our lives for His glory and sometimes for the benefit of others. God uses difficult situations in our lives for His glory always and sometimes for the benefit of others. Now I want you to notice something about Paul and Silas here. There's, there's a great biblical truth caught up in verse 25. Pull verse 25 up for me if you would, please. About midnight, Paul and Silas were grumbling and arguing and very upset that they had been falsely imprisoned and were yelling at the guard to release them immediately. Is that what it says? <laughs> about midnight, Paul... Now listen, Paul had just been stoned, by the way. We remember that. Now he's been dragged into court. They're lying about him. And I don't know about you, when somebody lies about me, it really, it fires me up, right? Especially when I know they're doing it. And so they drag him into court. They lie about him. They beat him. They put him in prison. I'm just thinking, if that's me, man, I've got the, I've got the, the mug on the door. I'm just clanking along the bars. I'm yelling at the, get me out of here. What do you, you know, I just imagine how I would respond. And instead, I, I contrast that with Paul and Silas. They're praying, singing hymns to God. Just calm always trusting, 
Always believing God's got a plan. Right, we, we see that in other parts of Scripture. That's difficult for us to understand. We see that in places like James. We studied through James several years ago. And one of my favorite parts of James is that first part of chapter 1. James 1, 2 through 4. Listen to it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Like that, that doesn't make sense to our mind, does it? You count it joy when you face these difficult trials. Verse 3 of James 1. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's what James says. Listen, you need to understand that when you go through struggles, sickness, struggles at work, problems in marriage, family issues, the list goes on. When you go through those things, there's, there's something at work here. Right? God is using these trials to strengthen you, to encourage you. So you find joy in those moments because God's doing something in your life. So, so there, there's this sense really of, of, as strange as it sounds, excitement when you go through a trial because God's doing something. God's at work. One, one writer said it like this, Every trial becomes a test of our faith designed to strengthen our trust in the Lord. If we fail to find joy and be strengthened in our faith, then the trial becomes a temptation for us to sin. Right, we, we see that there, there, there's this idea of joy that's awfully important in that first verse, right, the, the first verse of this section. There's a sense of joy and trust, and even in difficult situations, believing the Lord is at work. But there's a second component here. There's a second thing I want you to understand. We're going to face trials, how we react to those trials, and, and how that affects us is important. But there's something else important I want you to get about this text. The trial that you're going through may not just be about you. It just might not be about you. Now that is difficult for us in our current culture to understand because we live in this me world. Right? We, we wouldn't admit it and we try to fight against it, but we live in this culture where everything is about me. Like what do I want? How can I market myself? What's best for me? That's kind of the world we live in. That's who, so, so to think for one moment that the struggle we're walking through the difficulty we're walking through may not really be about us. It might be about somebody else. It's hard for us to swallow. Because here's what we see in this context. We, we see Paul and Silas, joyful, hopeful, trusting the Lord in the midst of this very difficult situation. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, there, there's this earthquake. It shakes. Right? It shakes them and they see that the, the walls are, 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 are shaking and the, the bonds are broken. In fact, so much so that all the doors fly open and the jailer calls out. He thinks they're all gone. Right? He draws his sword because he knows if they escape, it's a death penalty for him anyway. So he's going to go ahead and take care of it. In the midst of that, Paul calls out to him. Listen, we're, we're all still here. So here, here's a question I want you to kind of ask yourself. I want you to kind of ponder this just for a second. Was the earthquake sent to open the doors of the jail or to open the heart of the jailer? They're different, aren't they? See, because Paul could have gotten up in that moment. The doors are open. The, the shackles are gone. He could have very easily kind of just run right out of the door and, and been free. But instead of doing that, he calls out to the jailer, Hey, just calm down. We're all still here. <laughs> hey, dude, we're not going anywhere. And, and kind of written between the lines, and Paul didn't say this, and this is just my, I'm just throwing it in so it may be wrong. This is Adam's opinion. I think Paul didn't go anywhere because he knew God was up to something. Like, I'm in here for a reason, Lord. I'm going to trust that you know what it is, and maybe it's really about this jailer. 
Right? The difficulties that you're going through in your life may not always be about you. Some, sometimes God shakes us to wake us up. And, and sometimes God shakes us to wake others up. Like this entire section of Acts chapter 16 is really about God doing incredible things in the lives of other people. Right? If you were to read through the whole chapter, you'd see that this lady named Lydia was saved. We already talked about the slave girl, right? And the demon that was cast out of her. Now we see this jailer, right, who, who, is, who is obviously not a Christian, who's never heard of the things of the Lord, but because of what happens in the jail, Paul is able to witness to this man. Paul is able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this man. And so we, we see this, this sense that Paul is struggling, there are difficulties, he's been Christ-like, and all that he's done, he's still facing all these challenges. And then in the midst of, of his difficulties, of, of his uh, challenge, of his struggles, the Lord uses him now to reach this other guy. Isn't that interesting? Like, like what is God doing in your trial to reach other people? Is it possible that what you're going through is not really about you? It's hard for us to, to, it's hard for us to even imagine. What do you mean it's not about me? It's my life. It's my struggles. It's my tragedies. What if there are other people? Is it possible that, that maybe the struggle you're going through is about the guy at work that's watching you go through the struggle? Is that possible? Who knows that you're a believer? And he's not said a word to you, but he's watching you and says, you know, I'm going to watch how this guy goes through the struggle. If he's a believer, I'm curious how he handles it. Is it possible that your struggle is about your spouse? Maybe your spouse needs to see something in you or in themselves the Lord is demonstrating through this struggle. Is it possible that your struggle is about your children? Maybe we should get out of this mindset that when we go through difficulties, it's just always about us. Maybe it's not always about us. I mean, imagine if Paul had jumped up in that moment and run out of the cell thinking about himself only. The jailer wouldn't have heard the gospel that night. Imagine if Paul had just been focused on his own freedom instead of trusting the Lord to do something pretty incredible. Because this is fascinating to me. Pull up verse 30. Right, when, the, when the jailer kind of comes to his senses, and he kind of recognizes what's going on, right? He, he recognizes something's going on. He, he, he brought them out and he said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? One writer said it like this. He puts it into a single sentence. He puts into a single sentence the great cry of the human soul. Right, Paul's struggles and Paul being beaten, Paul being lied about, Paul being falsely imprisoned all led to the opportunity for him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this one guy. What if the things we go through isn't really about us? Notice what happens now. Let's continue verse 31. And they said, this is the answer to the man's question, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house. He set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Here's truth number three. Our faithfulness to the Lord can affect generations for Christ. Our faithfulness to the Lord has the potential of affecting generations for Christ. Look at verse 34 again. Pull that up for me. Look what the jailer does. He brought them into his house. He set food before them. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Right, so, so we go from, just think about this now. We go from the struggle of Paul 
falsely imprisoned, lied about, beaten, bad things are happening, even though he's squarely in the will of God, we go from that to this jailer now, because of Paul's faithfulness has accepted Christ. Now we move beyond the jailer to his family. Because he brings Paul into his household. He asks Paul to preach the same gospel his household hears, his household believes. Fascinating. Now there, there's a point of teaching I want you to get here. This is, this is important. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. I could probably do a whole sermon on this, but we're getting late and I don't want to spend a lot. But I think we need to, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Because there's, there's sometimes a confusion about baptism and salvation. This is a prime example. Salvation comes before baptism. That sounds obvious to us, but, and I'm not getting into all this, but the whole child baptism issue, some of you have thought about that. There, there's never an instance in Scripture where somebody is baptized, then later accepts. There's always acceptance. There's salvation, and then baptism comes after that. And so what we see here, and this is something I want, I want to think about just for a few minutes, kind of two important notes within this text. The first one is really the leadership of this father. I talk a lot to dads. I'm a dad and I feel like I can talk to you honestly because I, I struggle the way you struggle and I deal with the things you, you deal with. But man, the, the leadership this man shows for his family, bringing Paul, when, when he finally recognizes the truth, when he finally recognizes what's going on and he asks the question, what I need to do to be saved, and he realizes what's really going on, the first thing he does is he takes Paul and that message into his household to share the gospel with his family. But he's the catalyst for the gospel being made known and presented in his home. Men, are you the catalyst for the gospel in your home? Are you? Or do you make your wife do it? I, if your wife is doing it, praise God. I'm glad somebody is. But guys, we got to step up. Like it ought to be us that leads kind of that spiritual mindset in our homes. I, of course, other people are involved. I'm not saying the wives are not. They're, they're, there's a partnership that's very important. But men, it's our calling. It's our duty. And this man, because of his faithfulness, is going to affect not only his spouse, but his children. And now generations are coming into play. Isn't that interesting? Through the struggle of Paul, through that terrible situation Paul's going through, lives are going to be changed. The impact of the kingdom of God will never know fully till we get there. But we see that out of that faithfulness, things are changing. And I just want you to consider this morning for just a few moments, maybe the struggle you've been through or you're going through now, just kind of take a different perspective just for a few moments. A perspective, first of all, of, of, of personal spiritual growth within the difficulty. But the second idea is maybe I need to take a different perception, a different perspective that maybe my struggle is for somebody else's benefit. Maybe God wants to reach somebody through my struggle. Maybe God's going to do something in the midst of, of kind of this heartache that I'm dealing with and God's going to reach somebody for Christ because of me. Maybe in my faithfulness through a difficulty, I'm going to affect generations. What does God want to do through you? How does God want to take that tragedy and use it for His glory? How does God want to take that tragedy and reach other people? How, how does God want to take that tragedy and change generations and change the kingdom for His sake? What's Christ going to do through you? What's Christ going to do in your life in taking ordinary people and doing extraordinary things for His kingdom? That's our call. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. And just for a different perspective on, on struggle again, Lord. It's not just about us. It's not just about what we can get or what we can do. Certainly there's, a, there's a, a part of our struggle that's involved that helps us to grow, 
Helps us to be strengthened in our walk, Father. But, but help us, Lord, just to look beyond ourselves. To understand that there, there are deeper things at play here, Father. The kingdom of Christ is at stake. Lord, help us to live our lives in such a way that we honor you. That we trust you, Father. That you are a, a, a beacon of light in our lives. A guide for us, Father. Help us to live with purpose. Help us to, to parent with purpose, Father. Help us to be Christ-like in all the things we do. We'll praise your name for everything that you say and for everything that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. It's an opportunity for you to pray or speak to me, but you respond as we sing together this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.